All right, here we go. We've gone far enough. Let's go ahead and jump into Scripture. If you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at towards the end, 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. It's always nice to get halfway through and then decide to open up Scripture. All right. 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were doing well or were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now as we, as we look at your word, I pray that your spirit does uh, circulate amongst us, the spirit that lives in those who are believers. I pray that you will just well up and prompt us to the obedience of your word. So Lord, we thank you for that and allow us a time of enjoyment of your scripture. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let's take a look at what is community. Remember, that was the first question we we're going to ask today. What is community? Well, the first thing is, is let's look at a couple things of the physical makeup. The first thing is, man, they were together. We as a, Americans, man, we like to put up six foot high privacy fences, okay? We like to live on 10 acre spreads. You know, I, I, that's just legit. We don't like to be together. But these people were together. That is the first thing. They were together all the time. Next thing I love about it is there was food involved. It ain't just a Baptist thing, people, okay? It's a food was involved. I think food is so very important. I remember when I was a kid, um, this was back in the day. Like, I don't even know if it was called Western Sizzlin', the Sizzler, Sizzlin', whatever iteration of it it was. But, man, there was one of these buffet places, okay? And there would be like 12 or 13 dudes roll up in there. We called it the Feastable, all right, right? We just would start with, high school boys just start grubbing and eating. And one, and we did this all the time, and we loved it. We enjoyed each other's company so much. And then one night, one dude went to the bathroom, and nobody else did. Mistake. He said, hey, to the waitress, said, it's his birthday. She was like, no, it's not. And she's like, yeah, it is. That's why we're all here. Why else would 12 guys be together? It's ridiculous. She said, okay. So he comes back from the bathroom, Next thing you know, about five or ten minutes later, she brings out the little cake, and six or eight of the waiters, waitresses are clapping, and do, 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 happy birthday, and he's just clapping right along, happy birthday, and he's singing, and then when they said happy birthday, to, and said his name, he's like, oh, snap, that's me, you know, it was just awesome. It was a fun time. The waitress and waiters knew that they had been duped. We knew that we had had a good time, but gathering together for food built memories, it strengthened relationships. It had all of those elements that we see here in Acts 2. We see here where there was breaking of bread. Food is an important part of relationship building. We, that's why one of the things that we've tried to do with student ministry is we have food for your students every single time. We do. You know, and, and it's not because we like cooking for 35 people. It's because it's, it's important. It's important to have a moment. So here's a challenge for you. Now, this is where I go from teaching to meddling, okay? And I apologize for this, but I think it is real. I, I teach kids all the time in many different levels. I have raised my children. My kids are all old. I have seen, it doesn't matter. I don't want to give my resume. But if you are in a home right now where you are not as a family breaking bread together, start. 
If you are in a home right now where everybody is going left and right and up and down in so many different directions, I'm telling you, you are missing out on building community in your home. And you will miss out on your children. They will miss out on you. And one day you will look and say, why are they? And you won't have a clue because you don't have a relationship with them. And, I, and I, it does, sounds very sad, and it is. We blame technology on the kids. I bet you that we have more people, adults, that are more invested in Facebook and Instagram and TikTok than we probably have kids right now. And so I'm telling you, food is an important piece. Build community within your home. All right, that's enough for there. Praying. They got together and they prayed. Man, lifting up and asking for God in prayer and petition and interceding for people. What a, an intimate joining together. Man, that is a beautiful thing right there that they did as building community, as praying together. Now, this ain't God is good, God is great. They prayed. They, they interacted with God, the holy God, because, excuse me, because Jesus made a pathway that was direct with God. They, they communicated with him like he was right there. And I hope you do too. There was prayer. That's why we tell teenagers. So if there's teenagers in the room and you're listening, like if there's like dude and gal teenagers, don't be praying together. Like, oh, I met with my boyfriend and we prayed together. I'm not, I'm not happy with that, okay? Because it is intimate. It is an intimate time when you pray. It is a community building. And when all you are is you're just kind of investigating whether you like this girl, man, be careful with that. Be very careful with that. So, sorry, we went to a youth group now. Sorry about that. All right. They also shared their possessions. You're like, okay, time out. I'm good with the praying. I'm good with eating. I love eating. And I don't mind people, but you're going to tell me I got to share my stuff? Well, let me tell you, I have never seen a church body as uh, committed to this as this church family. Whenever I've ever seen a need, it, you have responded in a mighty way. And it's awesome. <laughs> It is awesome. I, I have been a part of many churches, and I can tell you, I've seen people, pastors, people in the community, people somewhere saying, I, I, you know, we have this need has been identified. And people go, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then they walk away. Not you guys. You respond. Probably sacrificially, many of you. That's beautiful. In the early church, when they gathered together, man, they sold things and distributed it as there was need. Imagine if we really lived that way, committed. Poverty is not about financial stuff. It's about hope. And when you, when you provide a need, a lot of times you are identifying that that need is coming because of your belief and your faith in Jesus. And what you're doing is you're reflecting who Jesus is on other people. And you're not just giving them stuff, but you're giving them hope. To help answer that last question, am I worthy to be saved? So that's some of the things physically. Okay, let's keep going through this list. Emotional. What was it emotional? Man, they were in awe of the teaching. How many of us right now walked into church today, and again, no hands please, and we're like, dude, we're getting ready to hear the word of God preached. I'm a little nervous. This is going to be awesome. That's awe. You know, I'm going to be in awe that the Word of God is going to be taught, is going to be sung about, is going to be celebrated. They were in awe of the teaching. Maybe we should get closer to being in the awe of teaching of Scripture. 
Maybe we should understand that this is really a big deal. As Bethany said last last week, it was, it is the deal, right? If you guys were here, I don't know if you were here when she stood up here. They were glad and appreciative. Oh, American church is like, time out. (laughs) You know, are we really appreciative and glad? I mean, there's, there's Facebook and social media memes. Memes are so interesting, right? You know, they can, somebody can say something in, you know, some other country, and next thing you know, it's, everybody, everybody can say it. Like, we can quote memes. And uh, one of them was talking about, yeah, gas prices are big. I'm paraphrasing. But I'm thankful for a family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for, that I have a car. I'm th- and, and, and you can say, oh, that's just, bleh. you know, I hate gas prices. I do, too. But do I, do I walk through this world in an appreciative and glad manner? That I have a moment to be able to then be in community and to share about Jesus. And then we talked about the generosity, the generosity of selling things. But generosity is not just an action. It's an emotion. All right? There are people I know that are very physically generous with their stuff. But man, there's strings attached to it. <laughs> So generosity is also an emotion. It is a, it's a mindset. Because generosity is, here you go, I ain't worried about it. Done. Generosity is not, here you go, and what's that payment schedule? (laughs) So generosity is not just an action, but it's also a condition of your heart. Then we look at the church and we see a, a psychological makeup. Man, they were, they were encouraged by, by the fact that there was growth. Man, think about that. When you are part of something, we are just wired to be a part of something. And when you see more and more people showing up, that's kind of cool. You're like, whoa, that's pretty awesome, you know? Like Legacy had like 12 people, and now look at all the people. That's kind of cool, you know? We think about that. It's really good stuff. Is the growth is psychologically can encourage us and is edifying to us, builds us up. And then also they were revered. Nobody here likes to be bashed all the time, right? (laughs) But because of their community, because of the way they were living their life, because of the, their, their outward testimony, people around them saw them and revered them, held them up, held them in a, in, a, in, a, in a higher stature. Not because they wanted to be in a higher stature, but because people just looked at them and said, well, dude, there's something up with those people. Think about your own life. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever had that moment when somebody walked up to you randomly and said, man, I, how, do you, how can you stay happy all the time? You know? Man, I don't know how the stuff that's going on in your life, how you are even walking. Maybe this one. This one I've had said to me. Man, of, of all of the stuff you've gone through in the church world, why do you even still go to church? And, and there's a testimony at that point. And in your heart, you're being revered. And it's not because you're trying to be haughty or proud, but it's saying, like, this is how God is working in my life. And these, as a group of people, they were revered. All right, let's get to the good stuff. I'm going to read to you Philemon, chapter 1. Well, there's only one chapter of Philemon. Philemon, verses 1 and 2. Paul, Paul wrote the letter. He says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and, uh, 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 oh, goodness, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, and fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So I've got a bunch of people there. This is an affirmation that when Paul was going through his ministry, that it wasn't just in Jerusalem. It wasn't just in the mega centers. 
there were people gathering and doing churches in their homes. This was a movement sweeping the, the world as we knew it then because there wasn't brick and mortar places, right? People were gathering in their churches and they were gathering because they were following the purpose of what church was. Now we had a, we had a, 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 an amazing small group ministry when we lived in the city of Pocos and Pocos is out next to the Chesapeake Bay for some may know that. And we didn't really understand what small group was. We didn't understand what home ministry groups were until we went there. And we, we encountered a group of people who were already active and we joined in <laughs> and they showed us what true community is. They showed us that there is a purpose in gathering together and building even a community within the small sea to be able to do ministry together and to do ministry amongst ourselves. There was a purpose in relationship building. You can go through life with blinders on you, but you're not really completely fulfilling what God wants if you don't expand and build relationships. They understood that, that we bring you into our group or you come and be a part of it, and there's an expectation of obedience to God within this group. There's an expectation of it, that we are going to seek and listen together for the Holy Spirit. There was also constant reminders of God. Man, we never, so we ate together, okay? Our small group, some of you guys are like, man, one hour, that's what you got this week. Our small group started at 6 o'clock, and the last person usually left about 9.30. And yes, we had lots of little kids. <laughs> and it wasn't because we had to do that. It wasn't because somebody said, these are the hours of the group. It's because we created relationship, and because we were constantly being reminded of who God is, and we wanted to be in that situation. We wanted to feel it. All of those things that I said about a makeup, they were present there. And so that's the purpose. The purpose is, is why is it valuable? Is the purpose is relationship building so we can accomplish those questions that we even have while we're here in big church. What are the strengths of it? Well, there's a diverse group of people. So this story right here of Philemon, the reason why I love that is because if you don't know the story, so Philemon is this, uh, uh, is this uh, guy. He was wealthy enough to have slaves, um, and Onesimus was this guy, okay? He was a slave. Onesimus, he bolted, all right? But he became a believer, and he was, he was following Jesus, and he was, work, he was with Paul. And in this letter, Paul's sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And in cultural society, Philemon had all the rights and privileges to really, really punish him, okay? And I'm talking to the nth degree. But Paul is imparting on his behalf saying, remember, remember what you're here about. You know, you're a follower of Jesus. This is, this is you now have people from all walks of life as part of your community. And so a diverse group of people. In our, in our group in Pocosin, we had people who were uh, uh, engineers. We had trash collectors. We had uh, military officers. We had me. I was just a youth pastor and an insurance professional back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you had these crazy people. You had diverse talents. And we all had many perspectives. Most of us had lived in many different places around the planet, if not, I mean, around the United States, if not the planet. We had many different diverse thoughts. But we were there to learn how to show our faith, to how to love other people, and how to serve. We had a serving project where we just, this was the serving project. You're like, I'm trying to find one. Here you go, Neil. Here's an easy one. We found a family that owned a restaurant. It was a Middle Eastern restaurant. They were Turkish, and they were not believers. And we said, you know what we're going to do is every Friday night, we're going to just come down on their restaurant, and there's going to be six families. 
whoever can come make it that week. We're going to eat dinner there every Friday night until they ask us why. And they did. And we told them, because you know what? We think that we, we want to just show you what uh, people who love Jesus look like. And we built a relationship, and over time, things began to happen. Her husband had cancer. He was dying of cancer. We stepped up, didn't ask for it, <laughs> and we provided things for them in awe. She got pregnant. Her husband survived cancer and got pregnant, unbeknownst to her one day. We walked in there on Friday with little bags and balloons, and she was like, what in the world? Baby shower. She ended up asking questions. We were able to then bring them and the, the family over to the homes, and we were able to share the gospel message of Jesus. What a service project that was. And all we did was get to eat a bunch of really good food every Friday night, okay? <laughs> Serve. We're going to get back to Onesimus here in just a second. But we have to have the idea of how do we get there. It's a mindset. you you got to want to do this. This is not something that just naturally occurs because our natural inclination, even though we feel like we want to be around people, we like our stuff in the United States. We like our time. We like our TV shows. We like our, 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 and therefore we don't want to bring other people into our world because they might want their stuff, okay? And so we have to fight against it. It has to be an intentional thing. It has to be a mindset. And all we need to understand is that those who are believers— we're all in the same boat. We all love Jesus. And so I don't care if you live, let's bring it close to home here in Bacon Hollow. Yeah. I don't care if you live up on mountain in Bacon Hollow or if you live in Pretty Creek in Ruckersville. If you are believers in Jesus, you're the same people. I don't care if you live in, you pick the worst city in the United States because everybody has their own opinion about that. In the worst neighborhood in that worst city, if there's somebody there who loves Jesus, they're the same as you and me. The same. Because we're all in the same boat. It's got to be a mindset to say, I want to be in community with these people. It's not a, that's me, that's you. We want to be in community. We ought to understand. And so when you think about that big wise, then when you look at the person side by side right now who's dressed very similar to you, who smells pretty good, you know, looks okay, feels like they bathed today, it should be easy to want to be in community with the people around us right now. It should be easy to do that because we're all in the same boat. All believers are the same. All of us need to have growth in our faith. Man, there's a beautiful scene in John chapter 16. Well, not John chapter 16, excuse me. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. There's a father whose son was embattled with an uh, evil spirit. And the father came to Jesus and said, please clean him. And he says to Jesus, in my belief, help my unbelief. And that's how we as believers should posture ourselves in a sense of humility, is that when we gather together, it's not that we got it all figured out. It's that we are trying to lift up and encourage each other. Go back to those things, those growth things. Reminded who Jesus, remind, refocus on Jesus. Remind who God is. Listening for the Holy Spirit. Those are not things that we got it all figured out, people. Those are things that we are in a posture of growth. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. We need to ask the Holy, he sent us, the Holy Spirit was sent to us as a helper. Ask for the helper to provide the help. Pray, listen, and obey to the Spirit. We have to work at it, like I said. It's about being intentional. This is where I told Maddie people might get upset. It's about being active in it, not complacent. We can right now come up with 25 reasons why we should not be a part of a small group ministry here at Legacy, but they're all wrong. 
They're all wrong. We can say because I have this. Wrong? Because this is a big deal. This is a big deal. We should be in awe of Scripture. We should be in awe of who God is. We should want to be focused on who He is. And we should want to gather together. It is about being active, not complacent. So it's also this change of mindset of being able to love people. Let's go back to Onesimus. Onesimus the slave, Philemon. Again, Onesimus is scared to death because <laughs> he knows what Philemon can do to him. But Paul is saying, you're different. You and I all come with baggage in our past of different prejudice, different ways we look at the world, different people, things like that. We need to remove those and look at people in the mindset that they need Jesus. Period. End of discussion. We should not look at them because they have this, don't have this, whatever. Everyone needs Jesus. When we look at the world that way, all of a sudden that little C becomes a your, your little C gets bigger, not just in numbers, but in your mindset. I can remember when we were leaving for Honduras, we were fundraising. We had to raise $120,000 for four families in about six months, okay? Fortunately, we did that. God provided that. It was pretty awesome. But I can remember talking to my family, and in my family, there was not a lot of believers. And I have one particular aunt. We were sitting there. We, left, we were leaving in, in June, and this was Memorial Day weekend. And uh, she said, yeah, here's your letter back. I figured you wanted to pull the stamp off of it and use it for somebody. I said, no, that's all right. You're good. You can keep it. She says, yeah, I just want to take care of people in my backyard. And I looked at her and says, well, maybe I have a bigger backyard than you do. Maybe that's sarcasm. It's one of my flaws. But I think there's reality to that. That's why people have are missional-minded. It's not a specialty. It's not something God's given them. It's a reality of our faith as we look at people on the news in Ukraine and our hearts go out to them because we know they need Jesus. And if they, are, if they have Jesus in their hearts, man, they are fellow believers locked arm in arm with us, and we should be there supporting them in community. That's where our hearts should go. Because let's look at this. Final passage today. Philippians chapter 2, verse... 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ and any comfort from love and any participation in the Spirit and any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Being, be humbled him, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That, that's where we got to get to. We got to humble ourselves to the point where we grasp that fully. So when we are, when the ultimate goal of community, all group ministry here, but we can call it lots of things. Because there could be communities of believers in this room that aren't part of a, a small group, right? But our ultimate goal is to edify one another. Let's pick people up. 
Because there are people in here who feel themselves not worthy enough of Jesus. And we need to bring them to the point where they understand they are worthy. That is edification. That is bringing them up. Many of us are like, well, why wouldn't you think that? No, there's people who need to be brought to that level. And then at that point, once the salvation occurs, once there's justification of their sins, once they've given their life to Christ, at that point, we move from, from this, this moment of, of celebration into this longer period of sanctification together, of growing to be more and more like Christ, together with people. And then we, we finally get to, as it happened yesterday, you know, we get to celebrate many of people that we know, their glorification of their body. We get to celebrate the fact that people have moved on and are in, in the realization of their faith in heaven with God. And when we are in small group and community together, we get to experience all of that. We get to experience this in humility as Christ did. We get to, can only do it by putting Christ in the forefront. Because otherwise, all we are is making excuses. Why? Why my world is too messy. Why my kids are too busy. Why my, my, my. It's not about you, you, you. It's about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The gospel message of Jesus is a big deal. So let's talk about some homework. Talk with your family. When you leave here, I'm legit. Do this, because I may ask some of you guys. Talk with your family, friends, whoever you want to, whoever you encounter. Why do I go to church? Why do I go? Talk about it. Talk about it. Find out why is it that you come here on Sunday mornings. Pray that God shows you individuals to be in relationship with. Pray that if you're a husband wife team, you know, pray that God will show you others to be joined with. If you're a single, pray God finds other people for you to be joined with that are in similar situations in your life that you can relate to. Pray. Actively do it. It's not complacent. It's not, well, I'll do that tomorrow. That's complacent. Actively do this. Pray that God shows you this. And then guess what happens? When God shows you, be obedient. <laughs> do not hesitate. Do not hesitate to pursue those individuals. Hopefully, there will be people here who will have somebody walk up to them and say, you know, God just told me I, wanted, I needed to meet you today. That's cool stuff right there, okay? If it's never happened to you, it's happened to me before. I've said it. They've said it to me. It's awesome. Be obedient. Choose to be in a community with others. I use the word choose because you have the choice not to, but choose to be in community with other people on a regular basis, somebody that you can grow with, that you can talk about things of the Lord with, not just somebody you go play putt-putt with, right? People that you are doing life with. Make it a priority in your life. Not an, oh, by the way, make it a priority in your life. And I know many of you guys in here are like, yeah, you're preaching to the choir, brother. And I get it. That's awesome. But many of us are not that way. The gospel of message of Jesus is a big deal. It's a big deal because Jesus is God. We don't know how that all worked out really, but when he came to earth, he was God. He said he was God. They killed him for that. That's why they killed him. Said, you're blaspheming, we're going to put you down. They killed him for that. He knew they would. What he did was he gave his life up. He knew he had to happen. As he's in, in, the, in the pictures in John, in the, the picture of the scene in John, like that's what he's telling them. He's telling his disciples over and over, this had to happen. It's going to happen. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to come back. It's going to be awesome. 
He died on that cross. He gave his life up for you and I. It was his choice. All you've got to do is choose to be part of a group. And where he is right now is he is in heaven interceding for you and I. He is, he is doing work for you and me right now. He sent the helper. He is there. He, he, he lives inside of you and I that are believers. It's a big deal when we get together. It's not just a social club. It's just not just so we can have awesome coffee, which it is awesome coffee, by the way. It's a big deal. The plan for growing in our faith, spreading the gospel message, and serving the world is all rooted in the church and then becomes effective. It becomes effective when believers are engaged in community. The church is the plan. But if we're not in community, we are not being as effective as we can be. So I challenge you guys, do that. Talk about it. Pray about it. Be obedient. And then act on it. Let's pray.